Good morning. Worship has already been wonderful. Thank you, Patrick. He, uh, he just sang our text. And our text for the next several weeks. I'm excited that in a couple of weeks, we're going to interrupt this series on 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. That will be our text. As I'm going to do a series and, and break down this verse because of the wealth of, of God speaking through this text. Uh, so we're going to spend some time in it, and I so appreciate that. Appreciate Ken coming in to help us, and I know you're praying for Scott as he is dealing with a great deal of pain with a sciatic nerve. Uh, it's been bothering him for some time. He's been trying to push through, and, uh, and today it pushed too hard. And so we're grateful, Ken, for your presence with us. And Belinda, you got to lighten up on these children's sermons. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you just, you're just making it hard on me, I'm just saying. Isn't that a great story? Wasn't that great? Boy, we've all been there, haven't we? In some way or another, maybe, maybe not with cookies. but uh... Jesus would often say, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. I want that to be our prayer as we come to His Word to hear what His Spirit needs to say to us on this day. I'm going to read 2 Chronicles chapter 7, the 14th verse. I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to stand as a way of honoring the reading of this portion of God's holy writ. Solomon in chapter 6 there's a great assembly. The, the, the seven-year task of building the temple has been completed. And we are at the dedication. Uh, I'm excited that, that next week we're going to have a note-burning service here to celebrate your faithfulness in, in retiring a, a large debt. And we're going to celebrate that. They were in that kind of mode to celebrate what God had instructed and to David and now his son Solomon had completed, and, and they are in the midst of this, and God is now responding to the prayer. He comes to, to Solomon in a dream in the night, and he gives him this word, and he shares it with this great solemn assembly. And here's the word of the Lord through Solomon to the people, and I believe to us. He says, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. Pray with me. And this powerful condition of right relationship with you. For we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to start off 
with the plain truth. Salvation is a free gift from God. You nor I can earn it. We don't deserve it. And apart from Jesus Christ dying on the cross, paying for our sin, none of us would be allowed into the presence of the holy God that we sang about as we began worship today. His holiness would exclude our sinfulness from coming into His presence. But because Jesus has given us that and in our car table talk, our verse for this week, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But do you see the, that, that's the if statement. And then the then is, and whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Solomon in this great moment in a united Israel, We've had Saul and we've had David and David has brought Israel to be a world power, a superpower we might call it. And Solomon has this great period of peace in order to, to be able to, to establish what God had in the temple, the place where God is going to worship uh, and be worshipped. And um, in this moment, well... Solomon kind of waxes a little prophetic. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, I want to read this passage for us as well. Solomon is now in this great prayer, and he has a, a bunch of if and then statements in that. And in this, he says this. He, he kind of is that prophet that predicts what happens when we mess up. Anybody here ever messed up? I didn't think so. But in the event you ever do, I want you to hear what Solomon says. 2 Chronicles 6, beginning with verse 36. And if they sin against you, and then he pauses and he says, for there's no one who does not sin. And you're angry with them and give them to an enemy so that they're carried away captive to a land far or near. Yet, if they turn their heart in the land to which you have carried them captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their mind and with all their heart in the land of their captivity to which they have been carried captive and pray toward their land which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name, then, the then statement, then hear from heaven your dwelling place in their prayer and their pleas and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Isn't that a great statement that Solomon made before God responded to that in our text of 2 Chronicles 7.14? If you have sinned, and if you ask God to forgive your sins, then He is faithful and just to do that. Isn't that good news? Well, as we look at this if and then, this powerful condition 
I want us to look at three ideas. The first is, if implies a desire. God wants to have a relationship with us that is powerful and life-changing. Many of us want a relationship with God that is puny and doesn't get in our way. There's a great difference between those two ideas, wouldn't you say? God wants to do good for us. He tells us so in the Bible. In Jeremiah 29, 11. By the way, if you go to Jeremiah 29 and read up just a few verses, God now has the children of Israel in exile. Exactly what Solomon had predicted years earlier has happened. They have forsaken God. They have turned from God. And now they find themselves in captivity. And in that captivity, they find themselves wanting. And I, I like what is about to be said in 29.11. I quote this verse often. But a few verses earlier it says, By the way, go ahead and build houses. Go ahead and, and, and start families. We're going to be there for 70 years. You know, we like everything quickly, don't we? Don't, don't you sometimes get irritated because the microwave's so slow when it's doing popcorn? Come on, man. That last pop, we want that last pop. 70 years. Oh, in my lifetime of almost 70 years, I've seen our nation drift so far away in so many ways from what we were founded in that time, Jeremiah, although he's just said 70 years, he says, I know the plan I have for this church, Lord. He's saying he's going for a hike. I know the plans I have for this church. Now, I think he's saying to us individually, I know the plans I have for you. That relationship that's powerful and life-changing. They are plans for good and not for disaster. They give you a future and a hope. Again, our verse we just mentioned, I'm going to the KJV, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish. God has a desire for you and for me. So my question for us is, do we have a strong desire to do what God wants us to do in His if state? If my people call them. Are we ready to have the same desire that God has for us that we have it for Him? In Matthew 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness but they shall be satisfied. You see those terms, hunger. You ever been hungry? Now we've got hangry. Y'all know what hangry is, right? You're angry, hungry. Thirst. Or have you ever been thirsty? For the rightness, he says, oh, I want you to be hungry and thirsty. 
I want you to have a desire to be in relationship with me. Like I have a desire to have good plans for you, to give you hope and a future. The plans I have for you to send my son to pay your debt that you can live forever in a place called heaven. How's your desire? A.W. Tozer, a preacher from years gone by, prayed a prayer that maybe would remind us it, maybe it resonates with you. I'm going to adapt his prayer and bring it out of some of the old English and put it into our English. But I think you'll understand what he was saying. Oh God, in this prayer he says, I've tasted your goodness and it has both satisfied me and made me perfect. When we really experience God, it satisfies us but it also increases our desire. He said, I'm painfully conscious of my need for further grace. Does anybody here need some grace today? Then he says, as honestly as ever in a prayer I've heard, I'm ashamed of my lack of desire, oh God. I want, I want you. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made thirsty still. Oh, I wonder today if one of us might have a greater desire. Because after all, isn't it our desire that motivates us most clearly? So I ask, do we have a strong desire to go deeper with God? John Piper, in a book he wrote called The Hunger for God, says, if we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of God's glory, it's not because we have drunk deeply and have been satisfied. It may be because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world, our soul is stuffed with the small things, and there's no room for the great things today how our desire is to go deeper with God if my people God says I have a desire if my people will do this there's a then I will do some things I wonder what God needs to do in our life in our church in our community today secondly the if requires a decision i love the story not as good belinda you did good work with me on my story will you just go with me okay boy that was good a boy and his dad were talking and he'd been giving word problems in math don't you love word problems in math amen i see head shaking the correct way Part of my understanding, my call to go into ministry was math. I'll just talk about that another time. He said, going to see if his dad knew word problems. He said, Dad, if three frogs were sitting on a limb that hung over a pool and one frog decided to jump off the pool, how many frogs would be left on the limb? And the dad replied, Two. 
To which the little boy said, nay, nay. He didn't say nay, nay. I always like to say nay, nay. He said, no, Dad. There's three frogs and one decides to jump. How many are left? The dad said, oh, I get it. If one decides to jump, then the other would too. So there's none left. To which the boy says, nay, nay, Dad. The answer is three. He only decided to jump. He didn't jump. Let me bring it real. Anybody make a New Year's resolution back in January? How's that going for you? You see, we can make decisions, can't we? We can decide, but, but a decision, if we don't act upon it, and, and you know, it's that great big long word for not doing anything called procrastination. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who gave his life in a concentration camp in Germany in World War as a Christian minister trying to minister to the Jews who were being caught up in the Holocaust said these words, and they, coming from his lips, are so profound. He says, to delay or fail to make a decision may be more sinful than to make a wrong decision out of faith and out of love. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? You know, sometimes we got to do, don't we? Sometimes we've got to make a decision. We sing that, that childhood song, and sometimes it's a wonderful invitation. I have decided... To follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Our life is shaped by our decisions. Our walk with God, the walk of this church, decisions have been made, countless decisions, and we are the recipient of those decisions. Someone said, accomplishments start with a decision to try. Accomplishments in God's kingdom begin when we decide we're going to try. We're going to jump off the limb. God has said very plainly, we must decide. That if statement is also a question. Will we decide? Will we respond? Will we humble ourselves? Will we pray? Will we seek His face? Will we turn from wicked ways? Those are those decisions that must be made. I want you to hear this if statement Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told His disciples, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see, you and I are called to decide. We have to have a desire. I pray the Holy Spirit today has made us mindful to examine what is our desire to walk close with God. And then we've got to make the decision. And it brings me to our third point today. The if answer determines the results. I've got good news today. God will keep his end of the agreement. 
God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is faithful. God is the standard of what faithful looks like. God will keep His end of His agreement. The if is safe. The if, what He says He will do, is safe. It's true. You can count on it. There's never going to be a wavering of God doing what God said He'll do. But you and I, we must decide to choose that wonderful recipe for a right relationship with God. To not do the if will cause us to miss the then. I want to close this morning with a rather sobering statement. <laughs> a, a sobering st story from Warren Wiersbe's Meet Yourself in the Psalms. He tells a story, I don't know whether it's a true story or not, but it's a powerful reminder. He tells of a frontier town where a ho horse had bolted and run away with a wagon that was carrying a little boy. And seeing the child in danger, this young man risked his own life to catch the horse and to stop the wagon and save the child. The child who was saved grew up to be a lawless man. And one day, he stood before a judge because he had murdered another man. The prisoner recognized the judge as the man who years before had saved his life. And so he pleaded mercy on the basis of that experience. He said, you were my savior once when I was a boy. But the words from the bench, according to Wearsby, silenced his plea. Listen to these words. Young man, then I was your Savior. Today, I'm your judge. And I must sentence you. You see where that story takes us? I've got wonderful news. I've got glorious news. I've got spectacular news today. I've got the best news there could ever be. Jesus Christ will be your Savior if you accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And you can be saved today. And you can walk in that salvation. I've got sobering news for us too. One day he'll be our judge. One day we'll stand before him. Today, just like that man once was a savior but then becomes a judge. You see, what we do with the if determines, determines the last part, God wants to hear our prayer. Oh, if you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, today would you pray, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the sin that I committed that caused you to go to the cross. I'm grateful for how much you love me in spite of me being a sinner. I'm grateful that your love can wash away the, the death sentence of that 
that sin. And I want to accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. I want you to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords in my life. I want you to be the boss. I want you to guide and direct everything I am, everything I do, everything I say. And when I mess up, and I will, I'm going to come back to you, Lord. And I'm going to ask you to wash me again and help me to grow. You see, the if, that's what God wants for us. The then is what are we going to do? How will we respond? So, just one more time, could we hear it? If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek. You ever lost something and really look for it? Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Hear the good news. Then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. And I'll heal their land. What a promise. What an outcome. Today, how's our desire? What decisions we make will determine the rest of today and this coming week and the rest of eternity. May we look at this powerful condition, this if and then statement, And may we decide to follow Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Pray with me. Dear God, in just a moment, we're going to open this altar. And we're going to invite whosoever will to come. Maybe there's someone here today who's never invited you to be the Lord of their life. And today's the day. Today would be the day they need to Come and settle that for all eternity. Maybe there's someone here today, Lord, that your spirit is pulling on their heart because life's just happened and it's pulled them to a place they never thought they'd be. But they're there now. God, they need your grace. They need your strength. They need your forgiveness. They need to rekindle their heart and their life in a right relationship with you. Lord, you know the need of every heart that's in this place, this moment. Every heart that's listening by the stream or on the radio, you know the need. May we respond to you right now, in this moment, just to you, O God. Just to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we offer this if-then invitation, if we come to God, then He will in no wise cast us out. What do you need to do? What kind of decision? Would you like to have that blessed assurance we're about to sing about to know it's right with you in your heart and in your life? Then today, today's the day as we stand together and sing.